Today on The Breakdown, it's some old school good times with famous people. That's right. I'm not just talking any famous person either. I'm talking the fabulous flying Frenchman, David Benjamin, and everybody's favorite sprightly player, Daniel Negreanu. They play a pot, which is pretty interesting. Uh, They're deep stacked. It's a tournament. There's a lot of money on the line, at least for back then, before all the super high rollers started happening. Several hundred thousands of dollars are on the line in this tournament. And these guys have got a lot of chips. And there are mind games going on. Oh, my goodness. It's like the Joker is sitting in the background pulling all the strings. Well, that may be a slight exaggeration. But Daniel Grinder is going to get to a point where he's going to have to make a read on Benjamin one way or the other. And I don't know. Grinder is known for his reads. Is he going to make the right one this time? How should he think about these things? We're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Did you just come up with the fabulous flying Frenchman? Yeah. That's good. I like that. Oh, you do? Okay. I was expecting you to I, crush it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how it actually applies, except that he's French. Yeah. But I, does he does he have his pilot's license? Perhaps. <laughs> I was just going for alliteration, man. FFF. Yeah. You know. I was just going to say fabulous Frenchman, and then flying was right there, so I took it. You know, I just took it. I'm imagining him just like spreading his arms from the top of a building and just soaring away, <laughs> or trying to at least. You know. Oh, that's morbid. Why you got to go there, love you? No, he doesn't have to die. He could try and he could try and succeed. He could try and <laughs> only sort of fail. You know, he could try and land on something soft. I don't know. People have died from really or lived from really big heights before when they've fallen. You know, you probably don't know that. Well, people have fallen miles, miles, and lived. Give me an example. Brian Tim, who uh, actually is also the suggester of this hand. Has fallen oh, really? miles and lived. Yeah. Now, Brian, of course, while he was falling, probably pulled out his phone, found the YouTube clip, you know, of course, went to Twitter. We're two poker guys, suggested the hand with the YouTube clip, you know, had the timestamp, the whole deal. But because um, that's what you have to do, of course, to get a hand on the breakdown. He suggested it correctly. And here we are. And he did that all before he, you know, before impact. Turns out he lived and, anyway, but it could have gone badly. Are you sure he lived? Because he suggested it before impact. Huh. Maybe I've just been the whole time assuming he's still with us. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting point. Brian, if you're out there, send us a text, would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's dark. That's, that's, you know, the suggestors always get a little flack these days, huh? Now it's, now we're pretending he's, he's died from falling miles and miles. I mean, that's <laughs> not really, going f- it's not really flack though. Right. That's like kind of cool. I'm like the last thing he did before he landed was he texted us or not. T- he tweeted at us a hand. I mean, that's baller bro. From at least the poker guy's perspective, maybe not his loved one's perspective. Like, that's more of a feather in our cap than his, I think. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. His, <laughs> his, his wife is like, you know, I never heard from him. I never heard from him again. <laughs> he went on the plane and we never heard again. <laughs> But he's maybe like, he's alive and living. Mean, maybe he's alive and living with the secret family. You know, we can only hope. <laughs> All right, now, we- <laughs> if you're the wife, let's just take up one moment. If you're the wife, would you rather have him be alive and living with the secret family or dead? <laughs> 
You know, I can't put myself in that position. I don't know. Yeah, because that means he's I been lying know. to you and covering up the fact. He, he faked his death, but he is still alive. What's better? I don't know. It's, you know, life is full of these questions, and that's why it's so worth living, Jonathan. Mm. That's why it's so worth living, because we can ask questions like that. <laughs> we don't have to answer them. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this is a Premier League uh, hand. So for those who aren't familiar with the Premier League, it's kind of a weird point system type thing where it's invitation only. It's all pros. And uh, the point system often has an effect on how people play because of what, whatever position they're in and what points they need or don't need in order to make to the next level or to ensure that somebody is eliminated or something like that. We don't think that's a factor at all in this hand because of the depth of stack and we don't really threaten anybody's stack in this hand. Um, so that that's something that we're not going to discuss really is like the point system and stuff like that. Just to yeah. get that all cleared up. Yeah. It's, it's pure poker baby. Yeah. Pure so, poker baby. That's great. Is that like, what's a, what's a poker baby? What do you think a poker baby looks like? Well, it could be a bunch of different things, right? A poker baby could just be a newbie, a new player, but probably yeah. it's not that, right? Probably it's an actual infant who has got a real addiction to gambling. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and there's real, there's real problems because I would say most infants struggle with some of the more basic math that you would need to be successful at poker. Yeah, I don't think like a 10-month-old child would be excellent at GTO concepts and, you know, they don't have the, the most impulse control. So opening ranges might be a problem. I got to tell you, I would bet I'm going to have a pretty good read on that baby most of the time if they have it or not. Also, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Pretty, pretty stick, good. They could stick to online poker, maybe just go hyper aggro online <laughs> and hope that works out. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be funny if the you know someone's like the final table of a tournament the baby just keeps going all in and someone's like you know that works every time but the last and the baby types back in the chat gaga goo goo you know and like <laughs> well, <laughs> they're gonna type gaga goo goo <laughs> yeah how did that become the universal baby noise that's what they sound like, like. that's what they sound I don't like know if it is it is it is I, absolutely what they sound like have you never spent you know, time with an infant stuff like that is cultural you know like it, you know how in Western cultures in English, like a cat, the noise a cat makes is meow. Do you know what it is in Japan? What? Nian. Okay, that's fine. But neither of those actually sound like, the babies actually do sound like Gaga and Google. Those are real sounds they make. Because we're, we're not approximating those sounds. We're humans. We have the ability to make the same sounds the babies make. So I, we're, feel like, I feel like I hear more bees coming out of their mouths than Gs. They make a lot of other sounds too, but... Gaga Goo Goo is, is right up there. You know, that's a top 20 baby sound for sure. Maybe this top is, 15, depending on the year. This is a poker podcast, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> but we're talking about poker babies. What's the problem? That's by true. the way. No, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Any other way, any other thing that a poker baby could be besides those first two? The noob and just the infant who is too aggro and you have a good read on? Uh, I think it could be a more literal definition of like uh, an infant who enjoys poking people and oh, is wow. not, not welcome at parties because it pokes people too often. That's pretty good. It could also be you were conceived, you know, via poker. I don't know how that works. Well, like, you know, you met, I've certainly met women at the poker table before in my life who I've ended up, you know, ah, okay. being with. But um, not actually through the act of playing poker. Well... Though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's get to the hand. I think okay. it's about time. Yeah, it's yeah. about time to get to the hand. 
Um, we do have a 1K, 2K blind level here, and our players are going to be deep. Daniel Negreanu is going to open the action. This is back in 2010, by the way, so that's going to paint a lot of these decisions yeah. um, and change how we think about them. And we're going to discuss how we might think differently now with new tools that we have at our disposal versus what Benjamin and Negreanu were thinking back then, which may have been more advanced than what we were thinking about back then, but may not be as advanced in certain aspects as what is available widely in the poker community these days. You're basically calling um, them poker babies, like yeah. the 2010 version of them as poker babies. I, I do know Benjamin to poke people frequently. I know I mean, all about that. You put David Benjamin in a diaper from 2010. You pull back far enough. You might think he was a baby or a really big baby. You know, it's not impossible. If you <laughs> make the context work where you have yeah. like a bunch of giant furniture around him and stuff like that. Exactly. A huge... <laughs> I mean, there's a huge pacifier he sticks in his mouth. I mean, I would think that you took a photo. I'd be like, that's a, that's a really... That, that baby looks like, looks like he's been through a lot, but you know... You know what the implicit problem is here is that you're assuming that that wasn't done in 2010. Like yes. Maybe there is a photo shoot somewhere of David Benjamin <laughs> and giant furniture. <laughs> oh, I'd like to see that. I would really enjoy that very much. David Benjamin, if you're uh, listening to this and that happened, please send us photos. We want to, we want to know. If David Benjamin was first somehow listening to this, I think he would probably at this point be considering the different ways he could try to hurt us like from via social media, etc. I mean, we call them, I called them the fabulous flying Frenchman at one point. He's still like holding out hope that like the compliments are going to come back around at some point, you know, he's like, well, that. here's a compliment at the time. He was considered one of the best players in the world at uh, yeah. high stakes cash games. It's so true. It's pretty cool. Yep. But he hasn't really been around at least on televised poker for a very long time. And, you know, he could be playing in private games and stuff, but a lot of those guys who, is are rumored to be playing in private games are broke or ended up being shown on TV. Like Tom Dwan is everybody's rumoring for years that Tom Dwan's just playing in Macau. And it turns out he was, we see him now on like the Triton stuff playing in, in Macau at the super high stakes. And he might also be broke and playing those, but you know, that's a different story. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I would be really surprised if David Benjamin isn't playing poker to some degree in some game that he's beating, you know, like, it shouldn't be that hard for him. I think the more of a name you are, the easier it is to get into softer games that are big, you know, because they want you there. So he probably has a regular game that he's one of the better players and maybe not the best, but good enough that he wins regularly and it's fine, you know? Yeah, doesn't Phil Helmuth get invited to just like crazy rich people games where he just doesn't have to do anything to make money and they like fly him out on private jets and stuff just because he's branded himself so well? I mean, I think they even pay him. They pay him, like they fly him out, they pay him, they put him up and then they play with him and he's better than they are. And it's super easy for him. That sounds like a really good deal. It is that deal. I want that job too. That's, that's a good job. And like he gets to act out. Like, I think they're all hoping he throws a fit even so he can even like, he doesn't have to do self-control or anything if he doesn't want to. Cause part of the whole thing, the Phil Hummy thing is being a douchebag, you know, for a while to people who don't really deserve it. That's part of his move, you know? So I think they're all like hoping he does it. I would be hoping honestly. Well, Speaking of Phil Hamuth, I, I would say that the ying to his yang, era-wise, is probably Daniel Negreanu, yeah. who's going to uh, open this hand. He's uh, He's got 360K, and as I mentioned earlier, the blinds are 1K, 2K, so he has a lot of blinds, almost 200 blinds, uh, so that's a lot. He's, he's doing well. Uh, he opens to 4K because it's 2010 and everybody was min-opening in tournaments in 2010 now it's more like 2.5 x normally these days some some players are experimenting with even bigger stuff like 4xing and stuff mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It's always fascinating to me how sizing evolves over the years. Yeah. What's your current preferred sizing in tournaments, Jonathan? Pretty well, as soon as we get to a place where the sizing matters at all. Like, you know, once when we yeah. have when we have a million blinds and it's level one, I'm three Xing or th- I'm I'm going bigger. But as soon as we get to like where the blinds are relatively big, I'm going like just a little bit more than a min open usually. So if it's something like three six is the blinds, I may make it thirteen or fourteen. Usually fourteen, I think, these days. But 13 is possible, too, depending on if I feel like I'm the table's willing to, you know, I'm paying attention to what the table's doing and how they're reacting to different sizings. But something yeah. like that. How about you? Uh, I have been sizing bigger early and smaller late. I've actually been back to, like, especially at soft tables, back to min opens hmm. later in tournaments when, like, effective stacks are around 30 blinds just because I'm going to open a ton at these tables. So I think that's part of the logic of why people were opening this size back then. And I, I think it still applies and is good for certain tables. At tough tables, I might be more apt to 2.5x-ish in just, later stages of tournaments. Maybe this is just a, a mental hurdle for me. But I, I always feel like a min open is just, for for the whoever's in the big blind, it's almost like an ego thing for them not to want to fold to just the min raise. And so that's why even making a tiny bit more, I feel like it's much easier for them to throw their hand away. And that's why I always do it. Maybe that's not true. I have certainly min opened. There's been eras where I've been the guy who min opened also. Don't get me wrong. But that's my belief, whether it's true or not. Yeah, I just don't necessarily find that to be true. Um, hmm. Maybe it's true of some players, and you should adjust individually in live poker, especially when you recognize somebody as, as that type of player. But I think overall, it's not something that would be a statistically significant thing to act upon, Okay, would be my guess. Cool. Maybe I'll try that a little bit more. Because why not make it cheaper if you can, right? Also, when you're playing online, it's a lot easier. You just click one button. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, so anyway, the grinder's going to min open to 4K. He's got King of Hearts, Queen of Clubs, plus one. Yep. David Benjamin is plus two. And he's in a spot that is one of these common spots you find yourself in where it feels like the right answer is hard to grasp, even though it's a simple question. And so what do you do with Ace-4 of Diamonds? which is a hand that you're mostly going to play when you're deep in most positions, right? But yeah. There's an early position open, and you're also early position. Is this just a time to, th- to fold? Is this one of the few times that you don't play ace four suited when everybody's deep? I mean, we should at least consider folding. I mean, it's two blinds to call. It's pretty good, right? Like, we're deep enough that if, if we can see a flop without anyone raising behind us, I think it's like, if we knew that ahead of time, we, I would snap, be excited to call, you know, when we're this deep. Because I think the value of the hand is more so than like winning the pot right now by three betting, which is okay. The value of the hand is the implied odds of the hand, which plays really well, you know, in position, deep stacked, which is what we are with Negranu anyway. But of course, we have something like five people behind us, which is, which is the reason why we should at least consider folding. I don't really like any of the options that much, though. Yeah, I mean, folding feels tight, but I think I find myself folding this in tournament spots just because it's like who really needs to be in this spot? Why do I need to put myself in this spot? Because I know like the thing you have to be able to do if you call in this spot is, is be able to make discipline folds when you flop an ace sometimes when mm-hmm. like you're supposed to, but you can't fold on the flop. If an ace comes like no an way. ace 10, three flop and the ground new bets you're calling. And I feel like over time that might lose you money in these positions. Yeah. Like just the reverse implied odds still exist. Even if you're a player who's going to, be disciplined and make the right folds. Once you enter the hand with this hand, you put yourself in a spot where you are from a theoretical perspective, forced to call some flops where it's like a minus EV call, but you have to do it. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's really minus EV to call when you flop top pair. It's probably not minus right. EV, but but there's well, there's implied odds issues for sure with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this plays way better on the button, of course. You know, because then we have absolute position on everyone for the whole hand. There's less people to act behind us, so we're less likely to get squeezed. Those things are really good. Um, I don't hate a call, though. I don't hate a raise, and I don't hate a fold. I don't really know what to do with this hand in this spot. I think it really depends on what I think of the table. And the softer the table is, the more apt I am to play this hand, for sure. Well, this is not a soft table. It's invite only. Yeah. It's like the pros. Yeah. whether or not you think all of the pros who were playing in the Premier League were good, at least they were they had some moves to them. You know, it wasn't just a bunch of fish. So it doesn't feel like the right table to to play this hand if you're going to play some tables and not others. This hand, Which, I, know, I, I feel like a three a three bet is a reasonable option, but Negreanu never folds, and I don't know if we want to be in that spot where we have Ace Four against Negreanu. He may we all have, have position in the lead though. Yeah, I mean it's not horrible to three bet here. I mean Negreanu is. I think pretty tight up top here, like in an early position. And so I don't know that we're doing well against his range at all, like at all. And we will have position if he just calls, which is cool. Um, do we really need to play this big inflated pot right now against Negranu in his early position range? And like, I don't like, why do we want to, I don't know by doing, I just don't, I don't love that decision either. But again, I don't love any of the decisions in fairness. Um, it all just sort of sucks. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, let me ask you this. What's the worst suited ace you're going to, you're going to definitely not fold. You're definitely going to play 10. Yeah. That's the, that's the obvious answer, right? We can't fold ace 10 suited. Right. Probably call with that. Mostly three bet a little bit. Right. Yeah. 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 And I'm not comfortable with ace 10 suited in that spot in tournaments usually either. Like I feel, I feel kind of crappy when an ace flops. Well, I mean, it's not really any different than when in, when an ace flops and you have ace four suited usually. It depends. Right. I mean, some people will be opening like ace eight suited yeah. and stuff like that. Or even all suited wheel cards when they're this uh, suited ace wheel cards, excuse me, when they're uh, or suited aces period, when they're this deep and they're in early position, like for sure, I'll yeah. do that in early, you know, if it's early on in a tournament and we have hundreds sure. of blinds. So I can have a seven, a six, a five, a deuce, all those things. Um, yeah. So, so there's that, but still you don't feel good about it and you can't really take a lot of action with your ace 10, right? Right. Or right. you can, but so you have to I'd, pray they're bluffing. I know this feels like a small point, but I always, I think it's interesting because like a lot of the stuff we do in breakdowns doesn't apply to most of the listeners most of the time because they're not playing in these games with these players and they don't get put in these spots. But this is a spot that everybody finds themselves in. So I thought it was interesting to just yeah. have a discussion about yeah. it. Yeah, and um, it's interesting that we don't really have a great answer. Yeah, <laughs> we really don't. I think my answer is fold. Like I, I do like the old adage of when, I, when you don't know what to do, fold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that probably is a better way to look at it than missing out on an opportunity to make the nut flush or something by, by folding. I think I would probably lean towards calling, but I don't know that that's a good decision, frankly, uh, because I'm so deep and I get to be in position against Negranu. I like that. I like that. I know he's a calling station. So if there's oppor- there may be opportunities to extract more value from him than there might be from other players too. Uh, makes me a little bit more interested in playing the hand. But I don't, I don't hate a fold at all and think that that may even be optimal. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess we just don't have the answer, Jonathan. But the fabulous flying Frenchman agrees with you and yeah. uh, decides to call. And something of note, 
Vanessa Russo, who is also deep, is in the big blind. Benny Mean, by the way, is 260K. So he's got over 100 bigs. He's doing fine. Yeah. Vanessa Russo in the big blind just folds ace 10 off. So this is weird, right? This is like an era thing, maybe. I don't know what's going on. It shouldn't be an era thing. I mean, I know they were tighter. They were tighter in these spots back than then than they are now. This is 2010. But come on, no one was folding ace 10 off for <laughs> when getting what five and a half to one or something like that right now. That's yeah. assuming no ante, by the way. I, I don't know if there's an ante or not. Like, I don't think there is. Why we closing the five, action with ace 10? This is a super straightforward call. I, I wonder if either there's a few possibilities. Number one is, um, they actually, the, the reader got it wrong and she actually had a different hand. Or they made, I know, I know actually there was a point when ESPN, the early days of ESPN's World Series coverage, like 2003, 2004, 2005. The cards that they said people had were not always the cards they had. They would often make them up. Like, they were really? lies. Yeah. Like, that happened a fair really? amount. And so some of the things that looked like coolers, when they didn't, like, were not coolers at all. They just made it seem like they were a cooler and it was close. And we didn't, if you didn't get to see the hand turned over, they would call the player later on and ask them what they had. And this is, you know, when they weren't on the feature huh. table. If they were on the feature table, they right. knew what they had. But anyone who wasn't on the feature table, they would call them days or weeks or, or, or even months later and ask them what they had. And, and it has since come out. Some of the players have said, oh, yeah, I lied about that. I didn't, I didn't have that hand. Or I didn't know what I had, so I told them just to come up with something fun. Like, that absolutely happened. So wow. this is 2010. Maybe someone just made something up. Maybe there's a misread. Or maybe, Vanessa, maybe there's something going with the Premier League points thing for her specifically, where folding is actually helpful, although she's deep also, so it doesn't really make any sense for that. Right, either. she's got over 100 bigs. It yeah. costs one more blind to call. There's no, there's no justification for this fold. It's like, maybe, I mean, maybe reverse implied odds were really popular back then. And it like doesn't matter. Off is like the... It's an office like the poster boy for reverse implied odds. I mean, I don't know. It's, it I mean, we, we can make a straight with it. We can make two pair with it. We can make quads with it. It sounds pretty good to me. We can make the nut you flush. Can make quads with ace 10 off. That's true. <laughs> yeah, can you can the make the nut, nut flush, flush though. I mean, like, it seems yeah. super. I mean, you would be calling nowadays, like, players would be calling with a very wide range of hands, like, insanely wide range, right? Like, they're calling nowadays a player like Ola Shemian is calling King 7 off here, right? Uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, so like things have changed dramatically, but this feels like it was never this bad. I, something's going on with Vanessa here. I gotta believe. Maybe she really had to pee. Who Maybe. Knows? Maybe she did. Uh, anyway, it happened. Yeah. And, uh, we're heading to the flop with 11 K in the pot. Negreanu with King queen off King of hearts, queen of clubs and Benjamin with ace four of diamonds. The flop is ace of clubs, nine of spades, four of hearts. Good flop for the fabulous flying Frenchman. Which yeah, it's going to stick. I think that's going to stick. I hope it does. Yeah, it's pretty good. So here's something strange. Both players check. So let's talk about these checks individually because they both seem weird to me. Okay. Why wouldn't Negreanu check on this flop? Uh, my best answer is he's just giving up right now. He's just like, I'm deep. I've got a kajillion chips. I don't, I missed, I don't have to go for, I don't have to take a shot every time when I miss. He has one of his, he actually has like the best hand he can have while still having no pair. And maybe so he has to have some checks and maybe this is a better check to have where if it goes check, check, you know, he can hit pretty good cards. I don't know. I'm making stuff up here. Uh, he, I would never consider not betting this board heads up against David Benjamin. <laughs> I, I mean, like we want to protect our equity against hands like Jack 10 suited. We want to make pocket sevens and pocket sixes fold, which are definitely the types of hands that we would put Benjamin on in this spot. I don't know why we wouldn't bet. I mean, it feels very strange to me. 
We have a range advantage. We have all the big aces in our range. Mm-hmm. We have all the sets in our range. Yeah. What's the problem here? We don't have to bet big. We can bet tight. We can bet 3,000. We can bet one and a half blinds. Yeah. It's fine. It's an ace, nine, four rainbow flop. Like, it misses so much. Now, it didn't miss David, but it seems super straightforward. Okay, here's one other reason why Daniel might check, right? He's, you know, known for having good reads on people. Maybe he, like, caught a quick glimpse of Benjamin and felt he was strong. And it's like, okay, you know what? Why put chips in? I know this guy's not folding, and I know I, I feel like he's got something. I mean... That's if possible. He's that good at reading. He's like, sometimes people he's will that good where he's, he's reading one of the top players in the world that well. Like he, he plays with David all the time. Maybe he feels he has a read on him. I don't know. It's not impossible. There's. I, not I mean, impossible. I certainly do this with players, and so do you. Obviously, not players like David Ben. You mean like much, much, much lower level players. You know, amateurs mostly. Um, who will do a thing and you're like, oh, I can't even bet this. Like, I'm not even going to bet because I know you got it. Like, they'll do something that gives yeah. it away. Obviously, Benjamin's not doing anything super obvious, but maybe he does something tiny that Negreanu thought he picked up on. I don't know. It's all I got. Maybe. Because I can't, I can't come up with any other reason not to bet this. Neither can I. Well, okay, it's a weird one, but what about David's check? Because yeah. that one is even weirder, I think. Yeah. Like, as David, we'd want to be building a pot for sure because we're deep. This hand plays super well. Um, for like deep stacked right now. Like we're ahead of almost everything. There are bad cards that can come on the turn that counterfeit us and really we lose value in our hand anyway. I mean, we wouldn't assume Daniel has that many give ups. We'd assume he'd have a lot of check calls here, right? On this board when yeah, he like checks, a, he's supposed to have jacks yeah, like and stuff pocket like pairs. That. Yeah. yeah, pocket pairs. And he's not going to check fold those, right. obviously. He could have 9, 10 suited, but you think he's got a reasonable ish hand to be able to check here. I guess Negrano has some give ups, and this is one of them. But as, as Benjamin, we would have to think we could bet this. I, I would think, think maybe that. What's, maybe what's going through Benjamin's head is something he's observed in Negreanu. Maybe Negreanu had been giving up with the lead out yeah. of position more frequently than you would expect. And maybe Benjamin thinks the best chance to get value is to like just let Negreanu try the turn or the river maybe. Like maybe Negreanu just can't help himself and he has to bluff the turn or the river. If Benjamin checks, maybe, maybe Benjamin's also thinking like when Negrano checks, the best he can really do is get two streets anyway. So if Negrano has some give ups, why not give him a chance to catch up a little bit at least? Like we got, we're never going to miss our two streets because we're in position and we they're they're still to come. We just don't think he's going to hero us three times almost ever. Maybe that's all I got. Yeah. Like but, if I mean, if Negrano is two tens, is he really going to call three barrels when he when we're this deep? I just don't know that he's going to probably he, not. He's probably going to call once and fold the turn. Right. I mean. So if we check, yeah. maybe we can get two barrels. Maybe we can get two streets later on if we check. Maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, maybe that's the plan. And like I you said, we could induce bluffs too. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the plan. But it does feel strange, and it's definitely standard to bet. I mean, you have to bet something when check two on this board, right? This is the type of hand that would really fit in, fit into that range. Yeah, and like, boy, we sure can think of hands we want Negrano to have here, which are like medium aces, pretty good aces that are playing sneaky pocket pairs that are definitely going to call. I mean, there's just, there's just enough stuff. It feels very straightforward. Yeah, it does. Another straightforward thing is using the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen Sports. It's yeah. pretty straightforward, and there's enough stuff because they have all sorts of stuff you can do, Jonathan. One of them is, of course, play poker. And if you use that link, you get access to our monthly tournament, the last Sunday of every month. We present you the greatest iterated value in poker er, er, Jonathan. Yes, yes, yes. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. It, it does take place on a Sunday. And it's uh, at the end of every month. And since there are a thousand buy-ins guaranteed 
and we never get more than like 180-ish players. And by the way, they cap the player pool at 300 anyway, so you're always guaranteed a massive overlay, all this free money put in there. By the way, it's also a Bitcoin-only poker site, and they've got the fastest withdrawals in the world. It's 90 minutes from the time you tell them you want your money to it being in your wallet. That is just unheard of. No one else has anything like that. It's awesome. Of course, they also have sports betting whenever sports come back, which looks like they're maybe starting to move towards. They've got casino games. It's the whole enchilada, Grant. Yeah, the whole enchilada. UFC is coming back already, right? Like there's a UFC fight. I think they already had one coming up, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you can bet on that. There you go. Bet away, man. Stuff of stuff of its ilk. Uh, let's see if, if Negreanu bets away and delights the fabulous flying Frenchman who's hoping for Negreanu to bet away. All right, so we got a board of ace, nine, four, rainbow. The pot's 11K. Negreanu's got king, queen off. Uh, king of hearts, queen of clubs. Benjamin's got ace, four, diamonds for top and bottom pair. The turn is the deuce of clubs. It is super clean. Not a fear for Benjamin at all. And the only thing to fear is pocket deuces, which is, you know, a rarity. Yeah. So Benjamin should still feel very comfortable. You wouldn't expect Negreanu to open 3-5 suited. Not even Negreanu, right? Not nope. even in 2010? Not plus one. No way. Yeah. Well, Negreanu does not take the bait. He checks again. Do you think he should bet? I think Negreanu is now just trying to get to showdown and hope his king, high is, king queen high is good and beats like king jack high or something. I mean, yeah. I, do I think he should bet? I think he should bet on the flop. When it goes check, check. Yeah, he should probably bet again, honestly, to deny equity. I, I still like a bet. What do you think? I think I do too, but denying equity has less value when there's only one card to come. So maybe he's like, well, it's not that much equity to deny against yeah. Jack 10 anymore. You know, six outs once, not a huge deal. It's true. It's true. And uh, we have a good enough hand that we can, you know, we can bluff catch with this hand for sure. So we don't have to bet. There's probably more value in bluff catching than denying equity, I guess. It depends on what we think about David, I guess, too. Like how bluffy is he yeah. going to be? And I don't know in tournaments how bluffy David is, but he was he had some bluffs for sure on high stakes poker when he was playing on high stakes poker. I remember him being pretty active with the bluffs. Yeah, he would love to talk. He was a big talking guy too, you know. A flush draw. Yeah. I have the flush draw. I do not. I may have a flush draw. If you have a flush draw, you should call. You know, stuff like that. Love I'm talking. Sure any French any French listeners we have, I'm sure, are not offended by your French accent. And they think it's I love the uh, the baguette. The cheese, the brie, and the flush draw. There you go. And the French people are French people are probably so tired of hearing about baguettes. <laughs> well, stop Everybody's freaking like, making them then. Stop making them. I was like, oh, you probably you probably like baguettes, don't you, Frenchie? Don't you? By the way, they like do. Baguettes. Of course, they like baguettes. I mean, of course they do, because everybody likes baguettes. Right. Baguettes are the easiest yes in the world. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good quote. <laughs> baguettes are the easiest yes in the world. <laughs> not, not if you're gluten intolerant. Eh, even so, they're pretty darn good, you know? Just, it's worth it. Yeah, even if you have celiac, <laughs> just go for it. I mean, you know, there's different levels of that stuff. It's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. It's like gender and sexuality. Gluten intolerance is a spectrum. So some people can wow. have more baguettes that's than probably others. Not something you're spo- <laughs> that's probably not something you're supposed to say. Which that's thing, really though? Incredible. Which part? Which group am I offending, do you think? <laughs> I think... I think I'm not even going to get into okay, it. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to let you take the heat for that one. All and right. Let, let the listeners know that Jonathan Levy does not speak for Grant Dennison <laughs> when it matters of, of all of those things that he just spoke of. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> the Granu does check. 
Uh, yeah. Ace, nine, four, deuce. It is a second club on the turn. Benjamin now is going to start betting. I think that makes sense. I think it would be completely wacky if he did not bet at this point. Yeah. Benjamin bets 7K. Do you think Negreanu could fold here? I don't think he can fold with King High, having checked twice. I mean, of course he can fold, but this is one of our... This is. I don't know what our range of hands that we're actually checking is, honestly, but it's perfectly fine to call with the nut-no pair here. Sometimes we improve and win. Sometimes we hit a king or queen, and that actually improves us to a victory. Uh, often our hand is good anyway. I would, I would assume that a lot of times Benjamin's betting because he picked up equity on the turn, which looks like a club draw or a straight draw or some combination of that. So I would be calling here for sure, especially when we're this deep. And it just, it's okay to be wrong. It's, you know, when it's okay to be wrong, you can be a little more free with the chips. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Free and easy. Yeah. Let it be. Yeah. I think it's a mandatory call against a player like Benjamin, Benjamin when you've checked twice. And as you said, he, Benjamin could have picked up clubs. We do block clubs with the queen of clubs. But yeah. It's, it's not, not as significant good enough. It's not significant enough, enough to make us fold though. Right. We I agree. Fold yet. No, no, no. We should call for seven K here. It's, Three and a half blinds. It's fine. That's what he does. Negrano calls. The pot is now 25K. Got the ace, nine, four, rainbow flop, deuce of clubs on the turn, bringing a club draw. The river is the seven of hearts. Yeah. Very rarely changes anything. Negrano's going to check again. How how should we size this as David Benjamin? Because obviously we're going for value. And I guess inherent in that question is what hands are we expecting that we can get called by? Okay. Um, we are targeting pocket pairs i think mostly here like pocket eights maybe once in a while tens and jacks and queens you think those are going to bet the turn sometimes or the flop sometimes but once in a while they're going to check twice Um, but i think it's mostly those medium pocket pairs is what we're targeting so pocket pocket eights is like a really good one to target as far as i'm concerned pocket sixes is reasonable too um stuff like that maybe once in a while negranu's got 10 nine suited and where we can target the nine yeah Although he often is going to bet that on the turn, but maybe not always. Um, So that's what we're targeting. I think we should go big for a few reasons. Number one, we're trying to make it look bluffy, right? Like it doesn't look like Negrano's got a very strong hand. So if we we make it look value-y, he may talk himself more into a fold sometimes. I mean, he talks himself into a call almost no matter what we do. He's Negrano. That's true. But that's another reason to go big, if anything, right? Like, cool, if he's going to call either way, we should bet big when we've got a strong hand, like fabulous we make more because he's going to call more often than most people um he's definitely the kind of guy who will go with his read and hero so we're sh- almost a hundred percent of the time do we have the best hand here so that's nice i would want to go pretty darn big there's 25k in the pot i'd want to go about pot size maybe even a little more i agree and another element of why i agree is well first of all i like it's known calling station daniel negroni so that's nice yeah um but it's always good, like you like to say, it's always good to tell a good player a bad story when you have it. And it, it like when David checks back the flop and bets big on the river, it's like, what value do you have that you can actually size it that way? That's so weird. It's yeah. like pocket deuces or nothing, right? Maybe pocket sevens. With so many, yeah, with so many club draws out there, like it makes sense that Negrano is going to be forced to call a big bet a lot of the time because the story doesn't add up, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I think it's a really good reason where it looks like you're sort of desperately trying to get him to fold some very marginal hand, which you might be sometimes, by the way, with your missed clubs or your missed gutter on the turn. Sure. Uh, and then once in a while, we have pocket sevens or pocket deuces or a strong hand that we check back on the flop or maybe nine, seven suited that we bet the turn and now are betting big on the river. Um, and we're going for big value. But 
So we can be reasonably-ish balanced, probably, too, reasonably, especially when we've checked back the flop, I mean, where we've got a few stronger hands there, too, to add to the value. Yep. Yep. So Benjamin agrees, and he does go big. Yeah. He bets 22K into 25K. You think even bigger is better than 22? I'd like to go even bigger, but I think this is fine. This is still the same idea of I'm sizing it up. I'm trying to make it look a little scary. It's It's not free and easy. Now it's 11 blinds. Like, that actually hurts a little bit to call and be wrong, right? Right. Okay, so what should be going through Negreanu's head? Because he does go into the tank. Yeah. He's not making a snap decision on this one. Well, if I was Negreanu, I'd be thinking about first and foremost that I have that, that pesky queen of clubs in my hand, and I would not love that. Because that does right. block a fair amount of the club draws that would be in play. Certainly there are other ones. Uh, when, when Benjamin calls uh, at plus two are raised and we're this deep, he can have a lot of suited connector clubs, I'm sure. But the Queen of Clubs is a big part of like club draws here, right? Like so often, it seems like. Um, that would be one thing. A second thing is because of the check on the flop, I would think there wasn't that much strong value, even though he's repping strong value by betting so big. Right? Yeah, I think that that is probably weighing heavily on Negreanu is, is the check on the flop yeah. and how the story doesn't add up and, as Benjamin probably intended for it to look. But I mean, we do block three of the most likely club draws, which sucks. We, we block King, Queen of Clubs, Queen, Jack of Clubs, and Queen, Ten of Clubs, yeah. which Benjamin probably plays all of them like this, right? Yep, I think so. So that's, that's not great. One of the things we could also be thinking is, boy, that seven of hearts doesn't make much of anything. Like it makes, like we said, pocket seven suddenly becomes very strong. I guess nine, seven suited gets there. But there's very, very little that that seven helps. And so, like you're saying, the story, the story doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So that's... Another thing is, like, what if Benjamin has six, seven of clubs or seven, eight of clubs and thinks it's not good enough and is turning it into a bluff? Mm. That would be problematic. Would he do that against known calling station Daniel Negreanu? I'm not sure. I mean, that means would he ever bluff Daniel Negreanu? No, it doesn't have to mean that, but it could mean he's not going to take his very marginal holdings where maybe he can beat some of Negreanu's holdings and turn them into bluff and cost himself more money where sometimes he checks and wins with the six, seven. You know what I mean? Versus some hands that yeah, have maybe. no chance to win where he, he has to bluff that more often, you know, like the missed clubs that are eight high or something like that. Now we, now we're, there's a bigger range of stuff we're trying to fold out, you know? Yeah. By the way, it doesn't have to be clubs. It, that's just the most reasonable bluff hand for Benjamin. Benjamin could just have two random cards that he, he could, could have Jack 10 of diamonds and just decide like he doesn't have it. I have, I, he like, obviously Jack high is no good. New ground doesn't have a very strong hand. I have to try to get him to fold, you know? I, yeah, I mean, 6-5 is the kind of hand 6-5 suited he could have where he just checks back the flop, kind of giving up himself, like not trying. And then he turns yeah. a gutter on the... He turns a gutter and Negreanu checks again. It's like, well, now I have equity. Seems crazy not to take a shot with 6 high. And then Negreanu calls. He's like, well, I guess I might as well fire away with 6 freaking high here and bet big and try and fold Negreanu off his marginal stuff. You know? Right. And we've kind of invited this as Negreanu. Yes. So a lot of these things lead us to think... We should call, but these are kind of 2010 metrics, I think, that we're using here. Like all of these kind of like uh, game tree logic stuff is, is kind of like the way you, you deciphered if you should call or not in 2010. Mm-hmm. And it made decisions too categorical. It made it like I call with all of my bluff catchers because of these factors. But now right. we have a new tool. We have distribution, which can really help us not spew money away and be calling stations. And... Maybe Negreanu probably, I would guess, was unaware of distribution in 2010. I mean, there were some players who were aware of it, but they were just like the nerdy GTO guys like Bill Chen, right? Like Negreanu probably wasn't thinking about it at that point. Yeah. Um, Maybe Chris Ferguson was aware of it. Yeah. 
Maybe he was. But so, but it, let's say if Negreanu was using distribution and was thinking about it, and it's like, okay, I have to call at least a decent amount of the time here because I've invited this spot, but where do I land in my distribution? And that means my distribution of hands that got here this way. Mm-hmm. So check called the turn. So he doesn't have like Jack 10 suited because he's not check calling the turn with Jack 10 suited. Right. This might be one of the worst hands he gets here with. Uh, Maybe he gets here with King Jack and King 10 suited also. But well, but if they're, I don't think he, I don't think he, I don't think he, this may be the worst hand because any hand that has two clubs in it, he would have already bet, right? Yeah. Um, this has one club in it. So any King high with one club in it is the next worst thing or maybe the worst thing he can have because right. we're blocking some of the club draws and the queen of clubs, as we're saying, is such a key card with that. Um, and we still also have a terrible hand that doesn't block any of the pairs, doesn't block any of the other things. And, and it's also about as bad as it could be distribution-wise, just in terms of the value of the hand. So sort of on every metric, it's as bad as it would be. If we had two clubs, we probably would have bet the turn ourselves. Almost always. Yeah. We're not going to check call the turn usually, right? So right. having one club is almost the best we can have. The most we can have in our hand is almost always just going to be one club. And that's bad. We don't want to have clubs in our hand to be able to make a hero call here. Right. And we also, we certainly have pocket pairs in our range that are better than this hand. I mean, maybe we bet tens on the turn, but maybe we don't always bet tens through kings on the turn. Yeah. And maybe nine, ten suited in hands like that. Maybe we take this line with them. Maybe. And, you know, pocket eights and pocket sixes and hands like that. So. Yeah, we're just if we use if we add distribution into the equation and say, okay, we have to bluff catch in this spot some of the time. How do we choose when to do it? This is one of those times not to, yeah, because we have one of the worst hands with a club in it. I think this is a fold. I I agree with you. I think part of it has to come down to though. Do we believe David has David Benjamin has some give ups? So he'll bluff the turn and not always bluff the river if he was bluffing the turn. Like because if he doesn't ever have any give ups then we probably shouldn't be calling the turn with king-queen-high either, really, even though we're saying before it was a mandatory call, because it means we're always going to lose no matter what we do, right? Like, yeah. if, if, if he doesn't have any give-ups and we're going to fold this hand on the river, like there's no real value in calling the turn. So we need to right, know that he's going to check back sometimes with a worse hand on the river for us to be able to call profitably here, at least sometimes. Uh, yeah, I mean, on back to the turn, sure. But once we're here on the river, I think it's a clear fold. I agree. But I'm saying we need to also be able to think this through when we're on the turn, decide whether we're going to call or not. Because if we're basically like, well, David's always going to bet all his bluffs on the river as well, and I'm always going to fold this hand, well, then what are we doing? He, he's either betting value, or he's going to bet no matter what. He's betting like 100% of the time, and we either fold or call, like we can never have a good thing happen, basically. So we, need to, yeah. we just need to be aware of that when, we, when we're planning the hand. Sure. I would guess a player as, as high level as Benjamin has some give ups. I mean, there's yeah. going to be some variance in his game. So I, I agree. The question is, is it like what, what percentage, you know, is, does he have enough give ups that, that we could reasonably believe he's going to check back enough that the turn calls profitable? I would guess the answer is yes, by the way, but that plays into it too. Cause if we think Benjamin has no give ups, then when we call the turn, we're actually calling the turn to call the river when everything blanks, right? Like that's just, yeah, I think that's, that's a reasonable logic, but, um, I don't like it as much as the other arguments yeah. that we've made. Me too. And but maybe Negrano got hung up on it because he does make the call. He sure does. And he's wrong. Classic Negrano. Classic Negrano. And you know what he said right after? Calling. He's like, oh, yeah, that's what I put you on. Aces, aces, aces up. It's exactly what I put you on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's the chips. <laughs> and But Benjamin, uh, to, Benjamin goes on to win the tournament in $400,000. He does. Well. He does. To Negrano's credit, he usually puts them on the hand before he calls. So he's actually yes. right about the hand calls out a better hand 
and then calls and loses. Right. And, and I mean, in the old days, remember, they always used to sort of like joke about it. Like you put him on the hand and you call anyway. Of course, that's not what he's really doing. He puts him on a range and he's picking hands that are beating him. So he looks smart when he calls and is wrong. And he looks great when he calls and is right. No one remembers anyway. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So it's not, it wasn't, it was never as impressive as it seemed. It, it was always overblown, sure. the Negreanu reading thing. But obviously he was good at reading people's ranges, of course. Certainly. Certainly, but not this time. Nope, Daniel. Not this time. Yeah. single MC, how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. I'm gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make.